News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change that our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. So back in 2016, I was introduced to Brian Slayton, uh, really 2015, right? Mm-hmm. We have been 2015. We started to have a conversation. Might have even been 2014. I don't even remember the first conversation we had. 2014, 2015, we start talking about the potential of you seeking the Texas House of Representatives in District 2. Mm-hmm. And you uh, foolishly decide to take a whole lot of your time and opportunity cost of your life and your family and your family small business and uh, put a bunch of that time into running for office. Mm-hmm. And you're running against a very established incumbent Republican and you're, you come 400 votes away from winning, two percentage points, 49%. So a lot of times individuals run back to back and are successful on the second try. We've seen that with Matt Rinaldi, who ran for the Texas House of Representatives and then ran a second time and won, or Dr. Spitzer, mm-hmm. who's just North Union House District 4, who ran and lost and then ran and won. Matt Krause ran and lost against Charlie Guerin and then ran and won, defeated a different incumbent, uh, Barbara Nash. So following that kind of protocol, you ran again in 2018 and came short again. Actually, by more votes... Then you came short two years before. And then you decided to do something that I have not seen done ever. And I even have like reached out to people who have been maybe more historical individuals within the political spectrum to say, hey, do you know anybody who ran against the same incumbent Republican three times or Democrat? Is there Mm -hmm. a and uh, you ran again? And in a runoff election, you got over 60% of the vote in your community. And you are now going to be a state representative in the state of Texas. So I think that that is a uh, testimony of resilience and endurance. And I think it's something that is very encouraging to a lot of grassroots Republicans, grassroots conservatives who spend the time in the trenches fighting day in and day out, oftentimes coming up short or losing, that there are some times where if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. So I've asked you here to have a conversation about that. We are going to um, take a sip of this bottle. Why don't you tell us what this is, Mr. Slayton? So... um my brother, the first time I ran, told me, he said, Brian, you need to get you a good bottle of bourbon or something and just buy it and hold on to it and open it when you win. Something to look forward to. Well, I thought it was just going to collect dust for a long time. And uh, so when we won, I was able to finally open it. And uh, So you bought this bottle in? I bought that bottle probably in 2015 before... It, Yes, because I, I mean, I was knocking doors for yep. eight months before the election. So I believe and it was something my brother was saying, hey, you need to just buy something. Hope for, you know, like I'm, I'm going to open this when we win. Just something mm-hmm. kind of to hold, uh, to have at that time. So it was just sitting in the bottom of a, 
a cabinet. No one really knew it was there. My brother told me about it. He never checked to see if I bought it. He just was telling me I bought it, and it was just stuffed in the back. And so that night when you were there, I mm-hmm. surprised everybody by pulling it out and dusting it off. So it was at that point, it's five. I mean, you've, it's been sitting in this cupboard for five years. Mm-hmm. And on election night when it was clear that you were going to be victorious, we mm-hmm. both got to partake a little bit. Yeah, that's right. So um, what made you first decide to run for office? Everything comes back to, I guess, your upbringing, just how God shapes you and how he, what he wants you to do. So I had been involved in ministry, been on staff, and got involved in some political things there. And, um, and of course, most people in church staff don't want you to get involved in anything political. So I found that as a frustrating thing, that we're not fighting. You know, I don't understand that. And then, um, uh, and it just kind of kept growing. My working at our family business, business, seeing how taxes and regulations affect small businesses, their employees. Um, I, I got more and more involved, and I started looking at who represents me and how do they vote because I'd heard great things about a lot of people. My great uncle in Van Zant County that was elected there for a long time, he knew Ralph Hall, and of course. Ralph Hall was great. Every time I went to saw him, he told me great stories. I mean, just makes you feel like a million bucks. But I looked at his voting record, and I was like, oh, my gosh. This guy is not, not conservative, which I knew. Mm-hmm. He was a Democrat for so many years. And But God never put that on my heart. Like I was like, yeah, Congress, no. Now, so I look, well, who's my senator? Bob Duell. Okay, yeah, I've met him with my mom and dad at some things. And I was like, wow, he's the most liberal Republican in Austin that guy needs to be replaced. Nothing was on my heart. And then I said, well, who's my state representative? I looked, and it was Dan Flynn. And at that time, he just finished being the number six most conservative. So this is in 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, I've got a great state rep. This mm-hmm. is awesome. He's got a great voting record. But God put something on my heart. You're running for state rep. And I was like, why? I mean, these other two guys have voting records to prove they need to be replaced. This guy doesn't, but it wasn't for that minute. It wasn't for that day, but it just kind of put it on my heart. And so I just, I guess, began looking for open doors, get more involved, see if it was something I really wanted to do. And the whole time, as God puts it on my heart, I'm literally watching our incumbent's voting records start to tank. And so then I uh, was talking to some people, uh, I think it was in Van Zant County one night, and they mentioned, well, you know, he's he sold out to Strauss. We need to get rid of him, but everybody's afraid of running against him. Well, one thing about me, I, I'm not really too afraid. Not that I never get it, become afraid. Yep. It's, I mean, we talked back when we first spoke, mm-hmm. you know, you watch your life verse. Mine's really simple. Psalm 56.3, when I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. I used that when I was in fifth grade, and I use it today when I'm 42. And so whatever God calls you to do, there's an element of fear that pops up because it's unknown. No, not me. No, this isn't a good fit or something bad could happen mm-hmm. to me, whatever. And so that that's where I, I, I approach things is, God, what do you want me to do? And anytime I become afraid, well... I'm just going to trust in you on this one because mm-hmm. I'm here to serve a purpose. And I realize that purpose could be, you know, 
chewed up and spit out. Mm-hmm. I totally realize that's what happens in our life as Christians. It's not all wonderful. You know, it is in the end, but, mm-hmm. you know, so that that's what led me to the point where we spoke on the phone. I told some people, I'm not afraid. And I actually told them, I said, well, I'm not afraid of him, but I don't have the money. And they said, are you serious? I think that was the next day they called. And they said, were you really serious when you said you're not afraid to run against him? I said, yes. And I was serious about the other thing also. I'm, I'm not independently wealthy. So they said, okay, uh, that's good to know. And then, uh, and, and just so you know, mm-hmm. the time before, so in 2013, 13, yep. seven days, five days before the filing deadline, I was on the phone with my, my uncle telling him, I'm thinking about filing to run against hmm. Dan. And I had no connections at that point. Yep. And we were about to do it. He was like, go for it, go for it. He's just an encourager <laughs> and he's ready for any fight. Yep. And... Um, and, and we didn't, and it wound up, some things happened. I met some people, made some connections that were able to help probably get me in touch with you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everybody would have been saying, you know, in December, who's this guy that filed the mm-hmm. last day, basically. Mm-hmm. So so 2016, you run. I mean, you knocked, I can't remember exactly how many doors, but it was... Right around 7,000. Yeah, 7,000 doors throughout your district. You went from being essentially an unknown entity in this entire community to getting 49% of the vote. And one of the reasons, in fact, if I was going to give the number one reason you came up short, <clears throat> other than your consultant, really, you know, <laughs> flying the, what it was the fly in the coop or something like that. But anyways, your consultant lost, got distracted, did whatever he did. But other than that, you had massive turnout in the Republican primary. Mm-hmm. That was the year that, of course, Donald Trump got elected president. And in that primary, twice as many people voted in some of these communities than had ever voted. I think your district was like a 60, 65% increase. And so you had 10,000 voters show up that weren't being targeted. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, those people leaned towards an incumbent. So even though polling from people in Austin, I mean, both sides thought that this race was not going Dan Flynn's direction, ended up all these voters that came in that normally don't vote in the primary gave him an edge mm-hmm. and bring him some victory. So you put in 7,000 door knocks. You're taking time away from business. You're working hard. You get a lot of positive traction, but you follow up short. What's kind of the mindset that you're in within the first couple months after that defeat? Um, I told myself all along, you know, just keep it you know, with a lot of things. What's the task at hand? And this is how I tell people to handle grief or anything when I was in the ministry, you got to focus on what's in front of you, not everything we build it up to in our mind. God only called me to run. He didn't call me to win. That's out of our control. And I was like, okay, so I can control this. God wants me to run. I can file for office. I can knock doors. I can work from my pickup truck, work at night, mm-hmm. work on the weekends, yep. whatever. You know, I can yep. do all that. And I can... Um, I can make phone calls. I mean, I, I was going through the whole... These are things I can do with what I feel like God wants me yep. to do. Can I say I did those things? Yes, but the results are His. And, and you know, it, it, it kind of goes back to when I worked... A lot of it does. When, when I worked with youth, I would have to tell them. I was like, hey, guys, I want you to remember as you play sports, just because you pray at the beginning of the game doesn't mean you're going to win, right? Because it's not like at the end of the game, end of the Super Bowl... Only the team that God likes wins. No, no. I mean, mm-hmm. 
it's you do what what God's called you to do in your life, and then the results are His. And of course, a lot of times we have to deal with failure. That's probably one of the biggest things for me is what I've learned in my adult life is you fail way more than you ever succeed. I mean, all the time, it seems like. And so you have to figure out how to deal with a failure. So when it was over, I was tired and wore mm-hmm. out. I had nothing else in the tank. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was what's rough is you're supposed to give everything you got to get through that election day, but you still need energy to pick up all the signs. <laughs> and you still need energy yep. to thank the people who are in your corner. You need that. And that's the hard part is mm-hmm. you're just spent. So at that point, I was like, if I never do it again, that's fine. If I do it again, that's fine. Let's just give this time, see what happens. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe it works as a good wake-up call. Mm-hmm. And our income is like, hey, I'm not going to you know, just go down there and kiss the ring of power, and I'll literally fight for our conservative yep. values like I felt like he used to. So you run again in 2018. Mm-hmm. You come short again. What's different about your mindset after 2018 compared to your mindset after 2016? Um, what are different things that you're thinking? Well, I, you know, I have questions like I don't, I don't get right. There's, but those are things I can't control. Mm-hmm. Like whenever. I'm, I'm sitting there showing his voting record. I'm showing how it's tanking using charts. I'm, I'm referencing bills. I remember. There's no personal attack on the man. Yep. And everyone acts, you know, I say some people are acting like I have, you know, insulted his family. I'm like, no, no, he chose to push the button on the desk this way. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like, okay, knocking the doors. And also during that second time, <laughs> I tore knee cartilage in my knee and had to have knee surgery. Yep. And, and so, and I felt really old at that point, having just walking down the road, hurting my knee like that. But I didn't understand. I was like, okay, when I first knocked doors, I could tell them who, you know, they wanted to know, who are you? Why should I vote for you? Never heard of you before. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing. Then the second time it was like, you've heard me say this before. I've heard you people at the door say, we need a change. Tired of the way things are, property taxes, everything. It's a mess. But when it comes time to getting a vote, people make decisions on everything but that at some time, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, it, it seemed like to me. So then it was like, well, what do we got to do mm-hmm. to make it to make a change to get somebody that's willing to go down there and, and fight? What in the world do you got to say? Yeah. What do you got to do? I mean, I've told them everything. I've told them what I want to do. Yeah. And it was like. It was frustrating, but I realized a lot of that is loyalty. He had had a good, a good voting record, built a lot of friendships. So it's like, okay, well, is it that? That's why it's hard to beat incumbents. Mm-hmm. They they have that much loyalty, mm-hmm. and so I I didn't. I was a little bit more confused the second time. Mm-hmm. Not that it, because you ran a second I mean, time, you, you did, yeah. Not because it means I'm supposed to win because I ran a second time. Yes. It's not like a, a a guaranteed you know yep. three step or two step program. Yep. Run once and then run second. You're in. Run the second time. You're in. But I was like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I was like, what what is the the barrier? Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, a big part of it, the easy answer. That's I say easy answer, but it's hard to digest. Well, it wasn't in God's timing. Yes, it wasn't. But yep. 
why people are more mm-hmm. mad now than they were two years ago when yep. I ran. Yep. And this time some people <laughs> remember me when I go to their yep. door. So, uh, yeah, that, that was, it was, I was more confused. And I, once again, I didn't care if I ever ran again. I actually was probably leaning more towards not running again yep. in the initial yep. months. I was like, okay, I tried it, but clearly they don't I, want So me. I remember a couple conversations you and I had, between <clears throat> March of 2018 and let's say June of 2019. And we'd talk every now and then. And I remember one thing in particular, at what point you said, you know, Luke, you haven't even said you think I should run again. Do you remember that conversation we had? Oh yeah. And, and it was, you know, maybe four or five months after we we're going into the session, maybe it was like late 2018. And I told you, well, because after 2016, I was pretty persistent. I'm saying, Brian, I'm telling you, we got so close. That's we what did I really heard well. from a lot of people. This baseline is built. There's a lot of opportunity. <sighs> so I was very encouraging. I was like, this is, I can, I can see it. I can, I've got a vision for the finish line. And then 2018 happens. That loss happens. The, the, it literally widens, right? We didn't even tighten the, we didn't make, couldn't make it much tighter. But the point is it actually went the other way. And we were talking back and forth, and I think Dan has still has certain votes and still has this and this, and that Texas House is certainly not changing course as far as its reflection of the grassroots Republicans. Mm-hmm. But um, you specifically said, you know, Luke, you haven't even mentioned me running again. And I was like, Brian, here's the thing. I don't know if you should. I feel guilty about telling you to do that because I feel like you've put all this effort in, and I don't really want you to have to do that a third time. That's time away from your family. It's time away from your son and your wife and your business. And I don't know, similar to what you said in 2018, right? You go, I understand God's timing, but I also just don't know about this community, what they're looking for, what we're missing. And so there was a big hesitation and it was somewhat up in the air. And then the item that really changed some of that, I don't know if you want to talk about that in particular, the the particular genesis of that kind of restarted everything like this is a really serious possibility. Do you remember? Well, I left it on the table. Yes. And the reason I tell everybody, uh, it doesn't, when they say, oh, you know, I'll never do that, right? I'll never go there and do this. The reason I always remind them about Jonah and I'm like, easy, just make sure, (laughs) Mm -hmm. make sure you're willing to go wherever it is. And, uh, and so I hadn't ruled it out, but it was different. Mm-hmm. The, the first time I was getting calls from you and other people saying, Hey, you need to, you need to do it. This time I was getting some people in the district going, Brian, you going to do it. You need to, mm-hmm. but you and other people that, you know, I talked to mm-hmm. a lot about all this, mm-hmm. never said it. And so I was like, well, if they're not even interested, then why? If, mm-hmm. if these people who, who know me well, mm-hmm. if they don't even want me to do it or don't believe in me doing it, then that's going to be really tough. Maybe mm-hmm. that's part of you know God helping direct mm-hmm. me. But what really did, I was always open. Yep. And I guess really what, what really bothered me, and it goes, like I mentioned before, I, I see what happens to small businesses. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't seem like it, our, our environment in Texans overly friendly to small mm-hmm. business. And I guess all the, the speaker stuff with Bonin, mm-hmm. how he deliberately lied mm-hmm. uh, about McNutt, 
And then he lied about the Michael Quinn Sullivan tape. Mm-hmm. That just ticked me off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, you know, I can't get out of a speeding ticket. You know, and, and these guys, you know, just the way they treat people and everything. Yeah. I was like, how in the world, you know? Uh, and then whenever the chairman of public safety, I forget his name, the Democrat, that dropped his cocaine in the airport. I was like, Texas is an absolute mess. Yeah. It's worse than I thought it was. And so I was even more interested about so like, just some of our listeners don't know all the full context. So, so those three points, one of them was that Chris McNutt is a leading gun activist, pro gun activist in the mm-hmm. state of Texas. And he's among the Texans who were most frustrated about the fact that Vermont has better gun laws than Texas. You know, that, that upsets some Texans. It right? should. It doesn't ex- upset a lot of our Republican elected officials, but it upsets no. a lot of normal Texans. And so Chris went to Dennis Bonin's district to canvas the area to talk to people during about the need during the session to petition uh, other individuals to get more involved to move pro-gun legislation constitutional carry. And Dennis Bonin played kind of the victim Played a little Absolutely. bit of a liberal, a liberal card saying, I'm a victim. The nicest way to put it is he played the victim. Chris McNutt is this mean gun guy who was brandishing weapons and threatening my family. And he comes out acting like Chris is just... And he had already called constitutional carry people cavemen right yes. before this. right? Yeah, so these, these guys, a bunch of cavemen in the backwoods that want these crazy gun rights that people in Vermont have. Well, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. And then the dash cam footage comes out. And people realized that Chris actually was not threatening anybody. And didn't even go to the door. Didn't even go to the house. Dennis Bonin's family never felt threatened, right? No. Absolutely not. And he literally walks up respectfully. There's police officers. He says, what's going on? He gives them the literature, says, would you please put this on the door? And he's trying to ruin this man's livelihood, his credibility. I mean, there's so many things there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know Chris very yeah. well. But when you talk about, I know he's married. And I know what it's like when people uh, do things that affect you mm-hmm. and maybe worry about your income, and you're worried about your spouse. Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't know what's going to happen because mm-hmm. these people have other intentions instead of being honest. Yeah. And anyway, yeah. That so that happens. Then the other Dennis Bonin shooter up you mentioned is the recording, right? And we've talked a little bit more about that. So anybody who's a regular listener will know. But you're talking about when Dennis Bonin first met with the entire Republican caucus and tells them, "Hey guys, you are." not allowed to campaign against any incumbent, Mm -hmm. Democrat or Republican. And Mm. if you do, I'm going to punish you. So he sets this standard, right, that says this is the standard for what a good state representative is. Then he goes and meets with Michael Sullivan and says, hey, Dustin Burroughs and I are going to give you a hit list of people that you can target and will still be okay, right? And here are Republicans. Then Michael Sullivan comes out. And says, this is what Dennis Bonin did. Now, that alone was just simply, basically, he's a hypocrite. He set one standard in public, mm-hmm. and he set it as the leader of a group. And then mm-hmm. he was the first person to violate that and same was standard. Not just saying he was threatening. Yep. Yeah. And he was offering things in return. I'll put your guys on the floor. If, yeah. they, if you do this for me, I'll put your guys on the floor. So now he's giving out official favors in exchange for this campaign activity against his political enemies. But then he lies about it. Then he is this attempted just massive cover-up and just a denial of reality. And after the recording came out, we all heard it. It became very clear that not only did Dennis Bonin go against his own standard, not only was he a hypocrite, but he also 
literally lied to all of his colleagues mm-hmm. and all of Texas. Yep. And so normally you would expect for, and, and the Speaker of the House is the second most powerful elected official in Texas. Normally you would expect for that person to be held to a high enough standard to where if that becomes a public issue, then it's very clear for all the other elected officials to say, hey, I think this is not the person that we want at that high level. Mm-hmm. We should expect more. Let's try to change the direction we're Just going. Call it like you see it, balls and strikes. But instead, Dennis was surrounded by a lot of lieutenants that basically tried to play a game of don't accept, don't acknowledge or take personal responsibility for what she actually did. Mm-hmm. He made fake apologies. He apologized yeah. for taking a meeting with Michael Sullivan, not lying to everybody, yes. not breaking yeah. his own rule, not doing No. Yeah. I'm sorry I took a meeting with this mean old man. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. you remember, then a bunch of his lieutenants came out and said, Oh, this is a sign of humility and an apology. Yes. That's fantastic. So there's this whole game continued to play. And then what and that Dan- was one big spark. Yes. Yeah. So uh the Republican caucus met. I wasn't there, of course, but I was called shortly after and that Mr. Flynn had stood up yelling or uh, raised voice, yep. spitting mad telling everyone why they needed to forgive him and uh, forgive the speaker and all this other stuff. And um, and you, I don't know, you say who, but you called and uh, said, hey, we need you to consider running. So I'd already kind of been there going, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Yep. I have a young boy, and if I run, I'll still find a way to be a good dad to him. Mm-hmm. If I don't, I'm going to be a good dad to him. So mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, I didn't. I didn't care. I was ready yes. to go, but I, if if I didn't run, I was fine. I, yes. I was like, my little boy is gonna get, gonna get me either way. Yes. And uh, and so when y'all started saying we want you to, and I was like, okay, obvious question. I'm running the third time. Will anybody vote for me a third yes. time? Yes. <laughs> you know. And I think uh, my answer was, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, if I recall, <laughs> it was an honest answer. <laughs> yeah. It's like I have no idea. <laughs> I think you might be rubbing people the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. might need to change something. Yeah. And yeah. at this point, you know, the governor had already come out and endorsed, endorsed every Republican. Yep. And so we knew we were already going into it, going against his wishes, the speaker's wishes, and um soon to be the former bit, speaker's wishes. Yeah, former speaker, yes. And but we were we knew we were already going in it at it with them upset we weren't being obedient to their yes. desires. Yes. So um, and the Poncho Navarro's issue, I think we've covered that on the podcast too, but later on you had a Democrat state rep that was caught with cocaine mm-hmm. fell, falling out of his pocket when he's getting out to the go. My tax dollars paid for. Maybe. We're not sure. But well, no, I, the envelope was oh, paid for. Oh, that's true. The envelope. The, the cocaine we don't of, know. Yeah, the carrier of the cocaine was paid for by your tax Yes, my else. That's right. And mm-hmm. Republicans didn't seem to be all that furious. Didn't bother him at all. He just said, I'm not running for re-election, and they're like, that sounds great to us. Yes. Which probably makes more sense when you realize they're already tolerating the behavior of the speaker, right? So why would they then hold some other arbitrary ethical standard for the rest mm-hmm. of the individuals in the house, right? I mean, attitude reflects leadership. So mm-hmm. once you've accepted this as a standard, you can't start holding anybody else to mm-hmm. other standards. <laughs> so you run again in 2020, uh, and a gentleman named Doc Collins runs as well. Another conservative man from no filed before the, me, filed before you. He's out running. You decide to run. Um, what did you, did you do? What did you mainly do differently? Do you think? Um. <clears throat> It, it was 
no, I, it was different in, okay, the first time you run when no one knows who you are, all you can do is knock doors, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yep. And this is me talking now, not that I knew this before. All you can do is knock doors because no one knows who you are. You're going to have to give everybody your bio at the door and before you can get their vote. The second time, some remember you, some don't. They think, yeah, you got close. Maybe you have a time. So you have that playing and helping. This third time, because I had knocked on at that point, because I probably hit like four or 5,000 doors, I guess, second the second time, time because yeah, my so knee. Yeah, so 12 or 13,000. So I, that's how many doors I hit. And and so I had people where when I knocked on their door, I knew I could put a sign there, and I knew they had a farm somewhere. It was a great yep. spot put a sign on a fence. Or they had a business here. And so I had all these – I, I kind of knew – where people were and yes. places they they were and friends they had, family. So I would find myself driving to go knock doors, and I'd yeah. be like, I've got to go by and talk to him. Not just that I wanted a sign. I wanted to make sure I can get their vote again. Yep. That's what I told everybody. Yep. If anybody started to balk on a sign, I was like, whoa, 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 listen, I want your vote. Gravy is getting a sign. So if your wife's got a problem with a sign or whatever, let's not do it. But I want you. I just want to say hi. So I found myself going and meeting with people. Well, those meetings took longer. When you're knocking on people's door the first time, I started knocking doors in June. I guess mm -hmm. the first time, it's hot. People don't want to let that much AC out their front door, yep. so they close it quick. And then the winter time, it's cold. They don't want to let the heat out, so it, it goes quick. But this third time, I'd be stopping by their business or stopping by their home, and people invite me in. They want to sit down and talk. Because I'd built a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing that was different. But there were things that were different this time that were out of my control. Mm -hmm. And that's really, I guess, thinking about it, all I could do was work hard, try to knock doors. Mm -hmm. And then money came to help. And the second time... I was able to have a campaign manager for the first mm -hmm. time for the last yep. eight weeks. Yep. And then this last time, I was able to have someone a little bit longer and then hire another guy. So there was different things yep. there, but the things that helped me the most were out of my control. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, the election getting postponed mm -hmm. and people getting their appraisals in the mail helped me. And when you say postponed, you just mean going to a runoff. Going to a runoff. that Because that, that helped in yep, July. That runoff. What, what, in March... It helped having the other person uh, because he he had. Why don't you tell people about Doc Collins? Well, just just a couple of things. So Doc is an amazing guy. Yep. He is somebody that so he came in third. He got twenty percent of the vote. Roughly his first time, and and so Doc, when I first got there, and when I first got involved, right? It was yep. and this is this, it. Kind of, I can say it's kind of a big deal. When I first got involved, it was like, well, I just hope one day I could have their cell phone number and we could talk because man he, he's a great guy i want to help him yep. do what he's doing i want to hear what he's doing because other people need to do that well i went from doc's just this great guy and i respect him till he became a friend yep we went and knocked doors in wisconsin together and he's a like-minded conservative but also when he, he he contacted me before he mm -hmm. he ran he filed and he's like i want you to know god's putting it on my heart i'm running what do you think well, I don't know who he's used to talking to, mm -hmm. but me being who I am, if somebody tells me that they've been praying about it and they put, think God's put it on their heart, I'm not going to talk them out of it. Yep. Right? I'm, I'm like, go do it, Doc. He goes, but what if you, are you going to run? Doc, I don't know what I'm going to do. But 
I said, either so, either way, you and I are having breakfast after it's over. We're going to be friends. Yeah. Um, so go for it. Doc, he's just a, a great leader in the community. He, um, a lot of people respect him. There's people that hate him because he stands on principle. Yeah. And so when he got in, uh, you know, I knew he only had a short time mm-hmm. to get his name out in the other counties. Yes. And I know it's going to be tough for him. If he had more time, there's no telling what would happen. Yep. Because Doc is a pretty amazing guy. Yes. He's genuine. And so uh, I think, you know, obviously he helped because there's some people in Van Zant that had a long relationship with your, the, your district was three counties. Mm-hmm. There's Hunt County, which is Greenville. Sulphur Springs is in Hopkins County. Mm-hmm. And then Van, Texas, Canton, Texas is in Van Zant County. Mm-hmm. Van Zant is where Dan Flynn had been a county judge and a state representative. He'd been there all his well, life. So, well, no, he, he moved there in the 90s. Okay. Doc moved there in the 70s. So one Dan was in Van, Doc was in Edom. Yep. Our family farm is right in between there for five generations. Yep. We Slayton's had been there longer, but I was the outsider because I didn't live there and I was challenging the incumbent. Yep. But yes, we all have long ties. History's in Van Zant. Yeah, but the point is do. that Van Zant's where Dan politically had more mm-hmm. of a stronghold and, and Doc had a lot of inroads already into a lot of the community. Oh yeah. When he and he showed up and he did very well in Van Zant better than even the rest of the counties yes. on election. Yeah, day. and he has connections from being a veterinarian up in Hopkins. Yep. So he he he's always been involved. He he yep. had some things in his corner. He just probably didn't have enough time. And he, he supported so you hundred percent in the runoff oh, election. Oh my gosh. He 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 was what he told me is he had gone by to pick up his signs at people's mm-hmm. property and was replacing them with my signs mm. saying, Hey, you need to support Brian. And he ran out of signs mm. and we had to order more. And he was, he had gotten some of my signs from one of my helpers and, uh, I just on his own called yep. him, got the signs and he was literally replacing signs as he was picking yep. his up, yep. uh, right after the election. So you had, you said one of the other re- things that really helped was the delay, meaning it getting pushed to a runoff and you having a runoff election mm-hmm. with Representative Flynn changed because people got their property tax bills between the first election and the second so election. So all the promises of the tax relief we delivered yes. didn't show up in reality in their mailbox. Because if you talk to mailbox. a lot of incumbent legislators, they're telling people, man, we got you property tax yeah, relief. we did it. Right. We did it. And I actually think it would be awesome if, I mean, I know we, I like the election being in March because we can have more impact on a presidential. Yep. But it'd be really nice if we could make the appraisals and all that come out before an election. Yep. I mean, it could hurt me in the future, <laughs> right? It could, but it needs, something like that would be very uh, yep. helpful, help yep. hold people accountable. Yes. Yes. So no matter what you're telling me about my property taxes, if I get my bill <laughs> and it looks like it's going up, then you better stop telling me you're, fighting for property tax relief. Yes. Right? Yes. So that was one thing. What What are one or two other issues that seem to be the biggest issues for voters in that runoff election? Well, how long he had been there. Yep. Um, that was one. Uh, and then two more. Uh, one was his veterans bill that he filed mm-hmm. um, where he was going to give veterans benefits from the veteran land board mm-hmm. to non-veterans. Veterans. Yep. And he did it two sessions in a row. Yep. We didn't originally talk about that with yep. voters we thought it was too inside baseball yep. that it would take too long to explain people would say you know whatever but we wound up let's go for it mm-hmm. and uh and it, it was a it was a successful 
mm-hmm. um, ad, attack, yep. whatever. And then the other thing that helped and that, us... And that was a, also a legitimate difference when it comes to policy on, your, on y'all's positions on that issue, right? Oh, I don't yeah. want to just beat up on Mr. Flynn. Um, he served with my dad. You and I, no, I don't... I didn't ever have a horrible relationship with Representative Flynn, and you, uh, you know, didn't you liked him back when he had I thought, one voting. Record, I was right? proud so, to have him as my state rep. Yeah, I don't want this podcast to be about just ripping into him. But are there any other issues that voters seem to say, "I want you to do this"? Um, well, at the end, yes, they were mad at the governor mm-hmm. and the shutdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was people coming out to the polls and all over Facebook. I saw the governor endorsed your opponent. You automatically got my vote. Hmm. I mean, and, and, and you know, God touches people's hearts in different ways. There's one lady in particular, I'll tell you a couple things at the polls. One lady, she came up to me. She goes, Mr. Slayton? Yes, ma'am, and you can just call me Brian. She goes, well, I just wanted you to know I've been voting for, for Dan Flynn for a long time, but I don't know anything about you, but I'm voting for you. Well, thank you, ma'am. You know, all of our hard work mm-hmm. and campaigning really worked, right? Really did not get to this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And she goes, what it is, is I believe in term limits. And I was thinking to myself the other day, how can I believe in term limits and continue to vote for the same people in office? Mm-hmm. So driving here today, I decided I was voting for you. Mm. So I thought since I saw you, I might as well meet you since mm. I voted for you. Yep. Thank you, ma'am. Um, so that that was... You know, things like that, it was in God's timing yep. for it to happen yep. because he allowed some people's hearts, enough people's hearts to be changed yep. for me to, to win. So the reason the governor became an issue there at the end is Governor App did spend a decent amount of money helping Mr. Flynn. I mean, oh, he yeah. came in and spent tens of thousands of dollars on digital. They bought television ads, mm-hmm. specifically Governor Abbott telling people to vote for Dan Flynn, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I think at the same time he he said that he was the only one running that didn't want to raise your taxes, right? Because oh, there was yeah. this attack on you that you wanted to raise people's taxes uh, because you don't like the property tax, yes, right? And so their attack was you want to raise people's property tax, you want to raise people's sales, sales taxes, tax. and so one of the attacks of the governor in his video was. Dan Flynn's the only candidate who doesn't want to raise your taxes, yeah. right? And so they come in and have their message, and but you feel like voters had a lot of concerns about the governor's support of Mr. Flynn that you received directly at, at the polls. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get elected, you win. We drink a little bit of this on election night. We're hugging everybody. I remember... Uh, you know, you had grassroots people calling in and they were just, when you were calling people to tell them you won, because mm-hmm. people, you know, they don't, they don't know, right? They're looking at the numbers and they don't know what counties have come in and not. Mm-hmm. And we sat down and told you you won. And then you started calling other people. And one of the things I remember is I feel like every person you called started crying, right? I mean, it was just There's a lot of people happy. Yeah. yeah. And it's to me, it was just a testimony to how much work all those people you were calling had put in, right? You had been, these are some people who have been knocking doors for five years. They have been talking to people, talking to their neighbors, hosting meet and greets, doing the real work that activists do in a community, trying to fight for better conservative representation. Um, How does that make you feel? What is the, when you talk to all of those individuals within that district, what's some of the takeaways after a victory? Well, it's, it's humbling. And I'll tell you one more thing at the poll that fits in with this. There was one guy that walked, got out of his car, and I just said, I'm Brian Slayton. I'd appreciate your vote today. And he goes, 
I've voted for you every time, and if you don't do it this time, I don't know if I can ever vote for you again. And I said, <laughs> and you're probably right, sir. <laughs> it was something funny. We had a real yeah, funny yeah. exchange. This guy, I yep. didn't remember him when I saw him. Yep. So I introduced myself, and he voted for me every time. And yep. he's like, I just don't know if I can do it more than three times, right? Mm -hmm. Or four times, I guess, for the runoff. But so when I called people and talked to them, there's people that I don't know. I could, I might be wrong in this, but I think there's some some of the people I talk to. I'm thinking of right now. They believe like me, mm -hmm. like you. They believe they're they're worried about the state of our nation mm -hmm. and our state. They don't think the Republicans have been fighting. We're living on a reputation, mm. and there's so much at stake. And they have their kids and grandkids as they're you know they may be older and you know got the grandkids and they you know don't know how many years they're going to have mm -hmm. but they know what kind of world their kids and grandkids are going to mm -hmm. grow up in and it scares them yeah. just a genuine love and concern for their family and i think that they're happy because they know me and they know that we're so much alike and they know i'm willing to to speak out and take some arrows mm -hmm. For the conservatives, I'm willing to take the beating um, as the leader, uh, uh, you know, trying to push our values. And and I think they're just happy because mm -hmm. now they're like, we got somebody that is literally willing to fight mm -hmm. and get some bumps, bruises, whatever, not just a pat on the back. Mm -hmm. And and so I think they're happy because it, it's it's been a rough you know, four years. I mean, mm -hmm. the media's been crazy going after Trump. Yeah. And and then everything going on with the economy. Yeah. I don't know. And the, of course, House leadership's been a mess from Strauss then to Bonin. And it's just like, you know, I think they're saying, okay, here's a here's a bright spot. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're going into the Texas House. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a member, a freshman member. Uh, you just said there's been kind of this void of leadership with Strauss. And well, Bonin. House District Two has been there a long time. Yes, House uh, District Two is not a, not a freshman. No, and <laughs> uh, and so you, what are things that you think need to change in the Texas House? Because you've been an outsider viewing it for quite a while. A nerd. Yeah. I watched it. Yep. I would watch yep. it late at night or yep. drive, mm, drive down the road, have myself on <laughs> it, and it might be playing the, yep. the session that day. Yep. Yeah. Um, one, and I'm, I've mentioned this before and mm -hmm. talked to other, other people, you know, I don't think we're going to get a conservative speaker. Mm. What we need to get and hope for, I say not get, hope for is a speaker who is more of a leader that wants to do their job um, fairly to everyone. Let people's voices be heard. Let bills be voted on. Mm -hmm. um, don't just kill things with one or two, three, four people because you can. Mm. Um, and, and let the vote happen. And if they're a conservative or if they're a Republican, they shouldn't be so disgusted with the idea of a Republican Party legislative priority making its way to the floor. Mm. Just let the vote happen. Let some of the Democrat legislative priorities make it to the floor. Let the vote happen. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. that. So that's my thing from the leadership. Let, let votes happen. Don't try to manipulate everything because we're, we're losing 
our our state and our mm-hmm. country. Um, I hope that they have a, a genuine concern, not a, oh, because I'm speaker, I'm powerful, now I'm, I feel humbled. Mm-hmm. They need to have a genuine concern uh, to try to improve things because, I mean, whatever issue you want to talk about, people getting taxed out of their homes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, I met people that their uh, husband had you know, bought different properties mm-hmm. and it was an investment so that the, the wife could have some income yes. after he passed away. Then they're selling a property, not because it's a part of their financial plan. They're selling it so they can pay the taxes on the others. Mm. And now her financial outcome has changed. Mm. And just there's so many different things. Um, but th- that's what we have to do. We have to get Texas uh, in a good spot that if one day it was to go to the Democrats, mm. that they can't just go crazy on our mm-hmm. religious liberties, our gun rights, continue to tax and regulate us out of business, mm-hmm. um, make it hard to even start a business with all mm-hmm. the barriers to entry. Uh, we got to secure our elections. We got to, I mean, on there's so much to do. Yep. And I know that upsets anyone that's probably been in the Texas House because they feel like that's a knock on them, that somehow they've done a bad job. Well, each session, you have to take a snapshot. Where are we as a state? Mm-hmm. What do we need to do and fix? Mm-hmm. So if that's the feeling right now, I'm sorry. That's what mm-hmm. appears maybe to have happened. There could have been some good things along the way, but you can't, even if you have a great session, yep. you can't start the next session going, oh my gosh, we had a great session. Let's just put it on cruise control. Mm-hmm. You just take a snapshot. Where are we? What do we need as Texans? Mm-hmm. And go from there. And... I, I don't know. There, there's just a lot to do, mm-hmm. uh, and and the speaker is of course a big part of that. The leader, they're going to be picking the committee chairs, and um, and right now the committee chairs have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. So uh, all we can hope for is just kind of like how it went in my elections. You just have to do what we're called to do, and then just hope God touches people's hearts mm-hmm. to let it happen. And if mm-hmm. they don't. Just realize you're in for a rocky road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That's about it. Well, that sounds like a great way to close this discussion. I am I'm overjoyed about the victory and the runoff because for so many grassroots conservatives across Texas, they battle day in and day out and don't see a lot of victories. And, um, and some people are in counties, you know, I'll run into some conservative activists who go, oh, well, you know, you're, you're talking about those state reps in the North Texas area and there's more conservative activists in the North Texas area. Oh, or or this guy's elected in East Texas and they've got great conservative people. But here in this region of the state, you don't understand, we've got a different situation and it's not as easy to defeat a bad Republican in this particular area because of who our state senator is or who our congressman is or the built-in establishment support that they have. And you ran twice and lost, which a lot of people could logically conclude from means this is not an area that's ready for my principles, the you know priorities that I believe, the policies that I believe, a more conservative voice. This is what they want. But instead, you went a third time and said, I'm going to give my community another shot. And they overwhelmingly chose you as their representative. And, um, and you got outspent three to one. 
I mean, literally in the runoff, I don't, we should have mentioned that at the very start, but just to set every time right I was outspent significantly. Yeah. And so I think that you look at this runoff and realize how significant the disparity was in the spending, but mm-hmm. still a community that just so clearly said, we need something different. And you realize that one of the reasons that conservatives can come time and time and time again is because a lot of times the Lord touches people's hearts. That's right. I mean, I didn't ever really have any major endorsements rolling. I, mean, I didn't have a, a bunch. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't just everyday posting, endorsement, yep. endorsement, endorsement. Yep. And I asked about that. Yes. I was like, my gosh, what do I got to do yep. to get a little help? And, you know, I had Raphael Cruz helped, and, and I was happy to have his endorsement. And there was a good groups that mm-hmm. we you know, like-minded, yep. you know, yep. Joanne Fleming and, and uh, Texas Rights Life, all them. But, but as far as, like, big statewide... A person or any mm-hmm. local, oh my gosh, the local, I mean, the who's who was supposedly yep. against me. Yep. And that's probably what drove them bonkers yep. is the, the who's who was against me, but yet I was still so close. Yep. And it was because I was making contact with all the voters, yes, not just kissing the ring, yep. getting the permission to run. And yep. so, anyway. so I think that hopefully that testimony in these stories encourage a lot of conservative activists and hardworking candidates who are out there in the trenches fighting for a better Texas. And maybe they didn't come up with the result they wanted this time. Maybe their community came close to choosing the right person, but fell short. And it's a good testimony reminder that if at first you don't succeed, we can try, try again. That's right. Thank you for talking, Brian. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit lukemessias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter and visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Thank you so much and God bless.